Okay, welcome back everybody. Um, we did not have class last week, so we are going to pick up from where we left off. But first, as we always do, we're gonna just take a couple seconds, a minute or two, just to ground ourselves in this space together. So we are leaving or trying to um, leave the stresses of the day and be as present as we can in this beautiful opportunity of learning. And while we're learning, what are we doing? We are um, bringing down positive energy. Absolutely. So we are actually able to practice what we preach in the moment. We're able to bring down some positive energy, which just keep in mind while you're, you're just going to notice where you're at and, and focus on your breath for a couple seconds. So move around, you can wiggle, you can stretch. And when you're ready, you can gently close your eyes. And before you actually do anything with your breath, I just want you to notice and be aware of where you're at right now. How's your nervous system? Um, are you feeling any sensations in your body? Does anything, is anything painful? Are you feeling just calm and relaxed? Just notice where you're at emotionally and physically without trying to change anything at all. And then just to, before we start class, let's just do a couple deep breaths. Take a big inhale. And when you're inhaling, focus on your chest opening up that heart center, that space up here. And then when you exhale, try to envision your exhale starting all the way kind of where your pubic bone is, all the way grounding from the bottom. Take a nice, a couple nice deep breaths like that. Inhale deep through your chest. Exhale, let everything go. Inhale. And exhale. One more. Inhale. And exhale. Just let your breath come back to its natural rhythm. Again, notice where you're at. I know we're not spending a lot of time here, but did that couple of seconds help you just feel present in the space together? And when you're ready, you can gently open your eyes. Okay, so I hope everybody's doing well. We are gonna pick up right where we left off. And um, as, we had a little bit of a tricky class last time because we were really trying to understand um, the difference between, you know, the negative energies and the positive energies and passive and active and what happens when we don't do and we do do and, we and when we should do and we shouldn't do, right? There's all these different scenarios and trying to understand and place what's happening in us and in the world with everything we do or everything we don't do. So, 
luckily enough, the Alter Rebbe is very brilliant in the way that he teaches. And so we are going to be, the more we study, the more we learn, I think the more clarification we get. And we are going to be moving on, but at the same time, solidifying these um, concepts that we've been learning up until now. So I really think as we go along, this is just going to clarify more and more for us. So there's going to be a little bit of repetition um, because that's how the Alter Rebbe designed this, because he knows that this is really big concepts that we're just trying to integrate and understand. So every time there's a topic that we think is just, wow, like how do we wrap our brain around? Have no fear. We're going to constantly be repeating and understanding it on a deeper level. So just to remind us, where we left off last class, we said, we left off saying that violating a transgression requires more atonement because the crime was active and tangible, right? So when you do something you're not supposed to do, right? You need more atonement because the thing that you did was active and tangible, okay? As opposed to failing to observe a commandment, you are less culpable, technically speaking, um, but your crime of omission results in a greater loss for the universe. So it takes less atonement but if we're talking about effect and energy in the world, it's way more detrimental. Okay, that's what we left off last class. We're going to be re repeating this in different ways throughout the class. So at the end, if it's still not clear, we're gonna we'll do it again, right? So you are, we're going to hear this concept a few more times in different ways. But the the Tanya wants to give us an example of. Um, of what we just spoke about. Just admit somebody here. Okay, so our sages teach us that a there's a verse that's in Hebrew, but we'll translate in English. A crooked a crookedness cannot be fixed. Okay, and what are we what are we referring to here? We're referring to the failure to recite Shema in the morning or in the evening, okay? There's an obligation to say Shema in the morning and in the evening. If we fail to do this, it is, this is uh, referred to as a crookedness that can't be fixed, okay? So what, it, what does that mean? That we're supposed to say Shema when you go to sleep at night and when you get up in the morning. Since the requirement of Shema is time bound, right? It's supposed to happen at a certain time. If you missed one particular window of opportunity to say Shema, you'll not, it will never happen again, right? You won't be able to rectify the fact that you missed Shema at this certain time because time, you cannot get time back, right? You can't atone for it. You, you could not atone for it. You, you could, we're going to get there. You could atone for it. You could atone for, I'm sorry, I missed it, right? And that's why your atonement is accepted right away. But you can't rectify it. You can't do anything that's going to change the fact that you missed that time. 
the opportunity that you had to bring light into the world in that specific mitzvah in that specific time has passed. There's nothing you can do about it. So you could atone for your mistake of forgetting. Like, I'm, I'm sorry, like, I forgot to say Shema. You, I wasn't thinking about you, right? I was busy. I was distracted. I wasn't thinking about it. I forgot. That you could atone for. But the fact that you missed that special time to say the Shema, time, you can't get time back. It's past. And this is why it's referred to as a crookedness that can't be fixed, right? You can't fix it. And this is, um, so, and this is why when you repent for it, the, the atonement happens right away because God can forgive the omission. He can forgive the fact that you forgot about it, but you can't ever really compensate for it or you can't ever really rectify it. And you can't go back in time to correct it. So there's no more rectifying to do, right? Once you forgot the Shema and you atone for your forgetfulness, or, or the fact that even if it was on purpose, right? Even if this was on purpose, you atone for that fact. Once you atone for that, that part of it, there's nothing left to rectify, right? So even if you repent fully, right? And, and your, your intention is that you're never going to forget again, right? Your intention is that you're going to be careful to say Shema every morning and evening. Um, your repentance will not help fix the void of the divine light, which is now lacking in the world because you forgot to say the Shema. Because as we know, I know this is, this is stressful. Um, <laughs> sitting over here going, Oh my goodness. <laughs> um, I don't forget, I, but if I did, that would be terrible. Well, listen, the point is, is that we're human and God knows that we're going to forget. So he lets us repent for the omission, right? He lets us repent for the fact that we forgot or we didn't do it on purpose or whatever. That he lets us repent for. But for us, for us to realize how much, I, I like to look at it as like how much power we have, right? Like when we're doing this incredible saying Shema, like this is not just about me. This is about what's happening in the universe around me. And when you, and when we learned last class, right, that every mitzvah has a particular light, right? And you, it doesn't, you can't substitute it. Like you can't, oh, if I didn't fix, if I didn't say Shema, I'll make up for it by, um, uh, I don't know, uh, eating a kosher sandwich, right? Like it's apples and oranges. You can't do that. So especially a mitzvah that's bound by time, right? Like let's say a mitzvah of, there's a lot of mitzvahs that are bound by time, but let's say there's a mitzvah that's not bound by time and you can make up for it later. That, you know, that's one thing. But if you miss out on the time bound mitzvah and the time passes, you can't get it back. Right. So what do you mean by time, an actual time or just in the morning and in the evening? So there's actually a time like there, if you look on your, your calendar or you can look up online um, there's, it's called the Zman for Shema, the time you're supposed to say Shema. There's a time period. There's a couple hours in the morning where you're supposed to say it. And then at night after, after nightfall. So there is actually like time, like you, you, you really wouldn't be fulfilling the mitzvah of the morning Shema if you said it at three o'clock in the afternoon. You know what I'm saying? Right. I mean, you say it when you first, when you first 
uh, well, when you first start your prayers, right? Yeah. You dive in in the morning. Right. Ooh, but if you wake up when it's still dark, you, it's too early. Right. And let's say you wake up at noon and you're doing your prayer very possibly it's too late. So for, this is a very applicable to men, women, it's a little bit more lenient. Um, women in general are not so um, held to the time bound mitzvahs. That's a, a really uh, uh, something that men have to be way more careful about, but it is a specific time. What about nighttime? Can you tell me? Nighttime is at, uh, from nightfall all the way till dawn. Till dawn. So anytime during the night. Anytime during the night. Yeah. For the night Shema. Okay. Okay. So before you go to sleep, right? Before you go to sleep. Yeah. But if so you're going to sleep at o'clock. right, if but let's say you go to sleep at two in the morning, you could still say it. But if you go to bed at 10 o'clock and you wake up at two o'clock, you don't just say it then if you forgot. I don't know. I feel like if you fall asleep without saying Shema and then you wake up and you realize you didn't say Shema and it's still in that time frame, you could. Kind of messy. Don't we need to say the brachas for Torah? What do you mean? Well, isn't the Shema part of Torah and we have to say the bracha for reciting Torah, studying Torah, if we went to sleep and then woke up, no? No, I don't think so. I think you'd have okay. to wash your hands, like you'd have to wash right. your hands, Nagavasar, but you wouldn't have to, it's a nighttime prayer. You, I, you would not have to do the okay. brachas of, of Torah. Um, I will double check, but I'm pretty sure. Okay, Thanks. so... Um, so we have this, um, so this mitzvah that's bound by time, right? And a person can, you can feel remorse and you can feel disappointed, right? That you forgot this special mitzvah, but you cannot change what you failed to do, right? So he gets absolved. Since there's nothing left to do, he gets absolved as soon as he repents. Uh, this is, there's another message here. There's because there's a lot of messages here that we could take, right? The message is wow, like this is a big deal, right? Like every opportunity we have to do a mitzvah, this is a really big deal to miss that opportunity to bring divine light into the world. But there's another message here that I understood when I was preparing is that Hashem is also teaching us like when there's nothing left to do, you have to like move on, right? You can't get stuck in the shame and in the disappointment and be like, all is lost. I'm a horrible person. How could I have done that? Right? Like Hashem is telling you repent for your mistake. And then there's nothing left to do, right? Like you can't rectify what you didn't, what, what, if time passed, I'm, I'm giving you atonement. I'm forgiving you. Hashem says, I'm forgiving you. The, the lost opportunity for light. Yeah. It's a lost opportunity for light, but but there's nothing left to do. So we need to move on and we need to learn from our mistakes and we need to try to do better, but there's no, there's no value in being stuck in something that you cannot change. Right. And I feel like that's a very important message too, because we can get so caught up in like, once we learn, it's a little bit of a catch 22. Like once we learn how valuable these mitzvahs are, right. And how like, a, a big of a missed opportunity it is when we when we forget to do them, it can it can get us stuck. But that's not the message here. The message is you get atone you get atonement right away because there's a certain part that can be rectified and there's a certain part that can't. The part that can't, we live and we learn and we pick ourselves up and we move on. Right? Okay. 
So when, so, okay, so we're, so to conclude that failing with a positive commandment damages the, up, so we not, we know, cause we said it a million times, failing to do a positive commandment damages the upper worlds. Why? Because we're not able to pr provide that energy. Right? Like the energy goes up, the energy comes down, right? We aren't able to provide that energy flow when we fail to do a positive commandment, right? So the Tanya is now going to clarify um, what happens when we do a transgression, okay? When we do a transgression, what's the energy status? Like, what are we affecting? What gets the most damage? What is happening? Um, so what happens is, when we sin so when we transgress a negative commandment so when we eat a cheeseburger okay or when we um that's another good example whatever you insert whatever example that wear pants <laughs> wear pants instead of a skirt uh no, transgression? Very, that's very subtle that's that's too nuanced Right. That's not, that's not, it's not a real transgression. It, 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 it's tricky. It's, it's, it's tricky because different communities have different trans translations of what modesty is. So that that's not a black and white myth, uh, thing, but cheeseburger, I feel it's pretty black and white, right? Oh like, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> not really a way to twist that one. So let's say when you eat a cheeseburger, um, what happens is negative forces become attached to your soul, the person who's sinning, the person who's sinning, negative forces gets attached to your soul, right? In this world. And this, what happens is, is it causes damage to the soul's source above, okay? And basically it causes damage from where this soul came from. Why? Because as we've talked about this many times in different tiny classes, but this, everything is interconnected in the world, spirituality, material, materialism, right? It's all interconnected. And especially within the spiritual world, everything is interconnected, right? So when an embodied soul is damaged down here, the spirit, the spiritual root of that soul in the upper world also is damaged. Okay. And it's not stopping there, right? Obviously when the soul's spiritual root is damaged, the entire location from which this hole came from suffers damage. Okay. So, um, soul spiritual root. I don't understand that. Okay. Who's so the, the soul's spiritual root? Well, the soul comes from the spiritual realms, right? You're talking about, about our soul? Our, your soul. Your soul yes. and your body is coming from the spiritual worlds. Okay? Okay. Right? Your soul is a piece of God. How does it get into our body? It travels through the spiritual worlds and enters your body. Different souls come from different places in the spiritual world. Remember we talked about this, right? Like all souls source is holy, but there's different levels to the souls, right? They're not all the same level. So different souls are coming from different levels of the world. So when 
when somebody sins down in this world, their soul gets a little nick, right? It gets a little damaged, but it's not just happening in a vacuum. The source of that soul is also affect getting affected and it's world in which it came from basically. Right. So, um, so when we transgress the, the effects the most, the most effect that we have is on our soul and not only in our soul, the lowest level of our soul, right? There's different levels of the soul. Have we ever talked about this? We talked about it in our first class, right? In, in Lakotai Marim, right? There's Nefesh, Ruach, Neshama, right? The three levels of your soul and then Chai Yechida are kind of surrounding you, right? So when you sin, the lowest level of your soul is being damaged, right? The 10 um, energies, of, of your soul and not, and, and the garments that, it, that you use to transgress, right? Thought, speech, or action, right? Those are the things that are really getting damaged actively, but because we know that everything is interconnected in the, in the spiritual world, that we know it's, it's not just happening in a vacuum, right? Your, your sin is not only affecting the lowest part of your soul. It's also affecting the source of your soul. And it's also affecting um, the world in which that soul came from. So pretty big deal, right? Um, different from the positive, you know, not doing a positive. It's a little bit of a different flow to the events, but, but pretty important and pretty significant. Okay. So, um, so here, I just want to I just want to hear it clarifies here a little bit. So if a, a person transgresses a prohibition, right? And he and actually he brings an example of a prohibited food, because that's just really black and white. It's kind of easy to use it as an example. A, so he says a flaw is made not only in the body that ate the food and the soul that enlivens that body, but even in the most supernal roots from which the soul receives its vitality. Okay, so you affect your soul, you affect your body, you affect the root of your soul, and you affect from where the soul gets its energy from. Basically, everything. <laughs> I mean, it's a big, it's a big deal, right? This is like unbelievable. <laughs> Am I right? Because yeah. what we're learning, okay, so what's so, what's so fascinating about this is that this is why I, I always say this, this is why Tanya is so fun, right? And and also so eye-opening because we just we we figure out and we learn like the connections and how everything works, not just because it says so, but like we actually understand the mechanics of of why things happen the way they happen and 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 how significant we are, right? Like. On the one hand, we're insignificant in this big world. We're like, a, we're like a peg, right? In this big world. But on the other hand, we're so significant and we affect so much change for the good or for the bad, depending on what we choose to do. Each and every one of us. Each and every one of us and each and every action. So every minute of every day. Oh, you're scaring me. <laughs> 
plug for the fact that right now we are bringing in positive energy. We are doing a holy thing. We are studying. And all of what she just said is happening in the positive because of what we're doing. So think about that for a second. We have nine people. We have nine grids here, right? So we have nine people for 60 minutes, right? Bringing supernal light into the world, which is affecting like a domino effect, all the upper worlds and it comes back down to lower worlds. Okay. So think about that, right? Like, yes, it could be scary, but, but also like how amazing is, is the opportunity, right? So we just have by our thoughts and, and action, just by our thoughts and action, just by sitting here and listening to me, even if you, even if you're spacing out and you're not really listening, <laughs> <laughs> that's impossible. Uh, you're, still, you're still occupying a space where you, you know, you're, you're involved in Torah study, whether you like it or not. Right. Um, okay. So we, we understand that everything is interconnected, right? We understand that, well, everything we do is pretty significant. Um, and we we do just like if you think about like the the matrix of of the the spheros which is our 10 powers right the energy that it has is how enmeshed and interconnected it is that even when we are just damaging the lowest part of our soul in the lowest world right? Remember, we're in the lowest world. And when we sin, we're damaging the lowest part of our soul, how that affects the entire system, right? Um, so that is that is something that, that the altar ever wants us to think about, right? Like, and we're okay, but we always, we constantly have to remember, why are we talking about this? Why are we talking about this? Because we're talking about repentance, right? So in order to understand how to atone for something, we have to understand what its effect is, right? So in order to really understand atonement, we have to understand what's happening when we do what we don't do, right? That's why this is very important. Now, um, this is, so you know how we, um, we always say, especially in, in the modern world, right? Like, especially being part of the Jewish community and the Jewish um, uh, race, right? We're like, we always say, we're like, we're one big family and we're all responsible for each other, right? But this, this goes so much beyond this idea of like mutual responsibility, right? This is so much bigger than that. It's not only like mutual responsibility between the members of the Jewish people, right? Where the sin of one, person doesn't only affect the person who sinned, but also becomes like a liability for the entire nation. Um, that's just one component of a transgression, right? Um, because it's not only affecting each other in this physical world, it's also affecting the higher worlds. So we understood, we always understood as mutual responsibility as, well, everything that I do affects you know, my whole community, right? Um, and we can understand that if it's hard to understand on a larger scale, we can understand that in a smaller scale, right? A small community, somebody does something, you know, negative, it affects the community, right? 
And, but we're, what we're saying here is it's not only about this mutual responsibility between person, right? It's about responsibility between worlds, right? It's not only happening in this world, it's happening in all the worlds, right? Um, so when a person, so same thing, when a person does a positive commandment, right? The light doesn't just affect his own soul, right? When you do something good, it's not only affecting your own soul, but it's it's shining in our world and throughout all the other worlds, right? And same on the other, you know, flip the coin, transgressions become a problem for all the worlds, just like it is for this world. And um, rectification needs to go beyond just a personal regret of the action, right? Because it's just affecting so many pieces to the puzzle here. Atonement is when you transgress, right? Because we're bringing in this negative energy. It's not just about regret, right? There has to be another step to it. And therefore, when you atone for a transgression, Remember what we said in the first class or the second class, right? Do you do you get atonement right away for a transgression? No. Right. So you get, so like everything gets put on hold, right? Like Hashem accepts your, your remorse, right? You're not punished, right? You're, it, it's, it gets kind of like gets frozen in time, right? Nothing bad happens, nothing good happens. And then at the time of Yom Kippur, which is the universal day of atonement, that's when the end, there's an, there's that energetic power to forgive the transgression. And we're going to talk a little bit about why Yom Kippur, why does it have to wait for Yom Kippur? And what is the energy of that day? Like, why can't, like, why can't just God do it right away? You know, like, why do we have to wait for this special universal day of atonement? And that's what we're going to address in a moment. Because um, we have to feel the pain. So well, what do you mean by that? We have to wait and... and uh, feel uncomfortable a little bit. Be, be uncomfortable the whole time until Yom Kippur comes around. You know, I understand that as a mom, you know, like sometimes when your kid does something really bad and they like ask for forgiveness. And like, sometimes you don't say yes right away. You have to say, I have to think about it. Right. Like, you know, let's sit with it for a minute. Let's, or, or, you know, when your child comes to you and asks for something, right. And they want to answer right away. It's so hard to wait. Right. But you, you're teaching them patience. You're teaching them. Right. So God's kind of like, going to make you waste you know i'm going to make you sit with it but it's more than the punishment right it's part of a punishment um i don't i don't know i don't know the tanya doesn't address it in that way the, the how the tanya approaches it is that it's because of because of how we understand what happens when we transgress right because we've learned about all the interconnectedness and we've learned what's being damaged oh you need a special energy to be able to undo that, right? To take away, right? To take away the negative energy just doesn't happen by itself. The reason why Hashem can do that with a passive, right? I didn't do the positive is because 
no negative energy was brought into the world. There's just a lack thereof of positive energy and there's nothing to do about that. So the atonement happens right away. But when we bring down negative energies and we affect our soul and we affect the source of our soul and we affect the world that our soul comes from, right? That's a lot of energy that has to be, um, uh, what's the word? I just, I just said the word before that just has to be rectified, right? Like that, and that needs a special energy, a special power to do that. And that power only happens once a year on Yom Kippur. It's like going to prison and then being released on Yom Kippur. Yeah. Yeah. But, but spiritually. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> and, you don't, and you don't necessarily feel it, right? Like when we atone, when we atone for our, so this is why I need you to understand the difference because when we atone, when we atone, sorry, when we, we when we atone is what God does. When we repent and Hashem says, okay, like I hear you. So the first part is, is done. And then he makes us way to Yom Kippur just for that energy to be rectified. We're not suffering. We're not like, we're not feeling it because how do we know? Because there's a third category of sin, right? That even Yom Kippur's day of atonement isn't good enough. Then they're suffering. I didn't get that part. So there's a third category of sins that are punishable by excommunication or, or, Oh, death, yeah. but really excommunication, right? The three cardinal sins, or there's some other ones that fall into that category. Even the day of atonement isn't good enough. Oh yeah, of course. Okay. There needs to be some suffering, right? So what, how, what do we know from that? That this category doesn't include suffering, right? It's not including suffering. It's just putting it on hold till the right energy is able to rectify the negative energy that came into the world. And we're going to talk about, this is super fascinating. This was, this, the, the whole Yom Kippur thing is super fascinating, super fascinating to me because I actually did not know this at all about what Yom Kippur is. I, and my assumption was like, okay, Yom Kippur is the day of atonement, meaning on the day of Yom Kippur, we, we regret our mistakes and we spend the day of prayer and we dedicate our day to Hashem to, you know, recrown him as king. And what well, we do that on Rosh Hashanah, but we finish the process on Yom Kippur and we just spend the day like taking stock, right, of our past actions and committing ourselves to doing better this year, right? That was my impression of Yom Kippur. Did anyone, does, is anyone in the same boat? I'm, I usually am asking for forgiveness the whole day. Right. Right. That's what I'm saying. We're asking for forgiveness. God. Yeah. Right. But what I didn't understand is that all, all our chuva, right. All our remorse that we've done all year is being finished and completed on Yom Kippur. That was news to me. I'm 38 years old, 38 years old, grew up in a Chabad house, run a Chabad house, and this is complete news to me. So when no one's ever talked, no one's ever told me that, that, oh, like you repent during the year. Of course, we all repent during the year, right? We all have remorse. We all feel bad about things we do during the year. And the energy of of the Holy Day of Yom Kippur is what um, culminates all of that. Had no idea. And 
we're going to understand why. Why is this day dedicated for that? And what, right? We like to understand the, the, the bones of, and like the, the anatomy of why, right? What is special about this day? And that's what we're going to discuss right now. So, so it's, it's the completion. Yeah. It's the, completion. the completion. But why? Why does it have the power? What, what, what gives it the power? Besides for obviously God giving it the power, but we are meant to understand more. Like what, what power is God giving this day? Right? What, what is the energy source that's, that's happening? And um, anyone, like this was very fascinating to me. So it's going to be, a, it was a little bit over my head. Like it, it, it's reminiscent to me of like quantum physics, right? Did you ever like, you know, read a book or, or hear someone talk about like alternate universes happening and you can be doing something in this world, but maybe in another world, something completely different happening. Like the cat, you know, Joe used to talk about the cat, like the, what was it? The, you know, like the cat was dead or not dead. Like it's either dead in this world, not, there's a whole oh, thing. My you job. Yeah, your job. Yes, that's right. Yeah, yep, the, yep. the whole quantum physics thing, right? Like it, this, what we're going to talk about Yom Kippur is going to, Remind me of that, like alternate universe, like you'll see. Okay. Um, but let me just make sure that I covered everything before we go into there. Okay. So, um, so you're asking why Yom Kippur, why that day? Is that what you're trying no, to? not why that day, that day, because God decided that day, but what about that day? What about that day makes it so special? Okay. What did God attribute to this day? What power did Hashem give to this day that makes it so special and make it gives it the ability to do this? Why? Because God chose one day, whatever. He chose a day that's Yom Kippur. We know that, right? But what, why that day? But what about that day makes it special? What's oh, the really? energy of that day that's allowing this rectification to happen? The beginning okay, so of Rosh Hashanah. The Wait, beginning of the year. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Just let's get there. And if you have questions at the end, you'll let me know. <laughs> now, the atonement process, the atonement is, so we know atonement is a, it's a process of repairing damage, right? So if you fail to observe a positive command and it leaves a spiritual void, but there's relatively little damage, right? Atonement occurs immediately with chuba, right? violating a prohibition, I'm repeating because we're going to, every time we repeat this, it gets a layer deeper, right? Violating a prohibition brings about a bigger, more profound damage to your soul and the spiritual world, right? Right? Right. Yes. Um, so repentance alone is not sufi sufficient to repair, right? And only Yom Kippur brings full atonement, okay? Now, Yom Kippur... Um, there's a phrase that Yom Kippur is, I just want to find the Hebrew. Lifnei Hashem. It's called, we stand before Hashem, before Havaya. Havaya is the tetragrammaton, you know, that tetragrammaton name of Hashem. And we're not saying it's like a euphemism a little bit. We're saying when we say we stand before Havaya, we're before this name existed. Okay, so 
it's symbolic of this energy of the divine realm before Havaya even existed, before this tetragram, it's in name of Hashem, right? So because, bear with me, we're going to, we're going to, unpack this a little bit, but because transgressions damage the structure of the world, right? It needs a higher energy to repair it, right? So because we're damaging the structure of the world, you need an energy that's higher than the world that came before the world to repair it. And that is, um, why the verse that we, that, that we refer to uh, for Yom Kippur is ascribed, described as a day of atonement as being before Havai. The day provides an energy that transcends the tetragrammaton, right? And therefore is able to repair the damage that we cause to the structure of the world. Okay? Now, um, in this book, this Tanya book from Rabbi Steinzaltz, he goes into it a little bit deeper. And I'm gonna, he has like a footnote here, like a little box that goes into the nature of repentance and atonement and why Yom Kippur is so special. And I really, it really like, I learned something and made a profound, had a profound impact on me, okay? So the concept that Yom Kippur elevates the soul to a realm beyond the present real reality it touches upon like a basic conundrum, right? How is how could you say that? How is it possible to say that a, an occurrence never occurred, right? What's happening when we repent? It's like Hashem is taking away the transgression, like it never happened. But how how could that be, right? You can regret a past um, mistake, right? You can feel remorse, but the fact that you did it still remains, right? Like let's say you went to a friend's house and you broke a plate, right? You can apologize for breaking the plate. You can buy him a new plate, but the plate's still broken. Right. So how do we get to the place? How do we understand that there's a way for the transgression to never have even existed almost? Right. How can we how could how does that work? So the solution to this dilemma. Um, which the Altarabba is going to expound on further in Agarasachuba. So we're just getting a little bit of a taste of this now. We're going to talk about this further. We're going to pick this apart even more, but here's a little touch of it, right? Um, it's like repentance is like a portal. Okay, this stuff is so cool. It's like a portal to an alternative world. Okay, remember I said quantum physics? This is where it's coming in. Um, so repentance is like this portal into an alternative world where the sin never happened. Okay. Mm -hmm. And Yom Kippur serves as this connection between one world and the other. Okay. Between 
the paradigm of one space time reality and the next. So we have a sin that happened in this world in an alternate universe, atonement opens this portal to this alternate universe that the sin never happened. Yom Kippur is going to fuse the two. Okay. Now, um, and, and how do we know something like this could exist? The, remember in the last chapters of the Kotimar, the last chapters of the first book of Tanya we studied discusses this place called the Holy of Holies. And remember the Holy of Holies is, is a phenomenon, right? Because it exists in time and space, but if you measure it, it doesn't exist, right? Remember, like if you put the our own, like if you put it there, you can measure 10 feet, but if you take it away, it's 10 feet, right? Like it doesn't take up time and space, but it's there, right? So this is this idea of like, it's there, but it's not there, you know? Um, so it's, it's like a, a crack in the dimension of space, right? It's an open channel to the divine. Um, and the Holy, Holy, the Holy of Holies is what the Holy of Holies is in the dimension of space, right? What the Holy of Holies is in the dimension of space, Yom Kippur is in the dimension of time. Okay, so just like the Holy of Holies doesn't exist in space, but it does, you can see it, but it doesn't exist in space. Yom Kippur is like this time, like freak phenomenon, right? Like it's opening up this portal to where your sin never existed. I'm so happy you're recording this. I'm going to watch this too. But, wait, but, but stick with me for a minute because it's, it's going to make sense, right? So it is one day a year that is totally like, unlike any other day. So it's not only because it's Yom Kippur and oh, Yom Kippur is a special day, but this day offers a portal into an alternate universe where your sin never existed. Yes. Okay. So you talked about four worlds before. Yes. This is one of those four worlds. This is another universe, totally removed from them. Is that right? Sorry, it got blurry for a second. I didn't hear. I didn't hear okay. your, last, your um, last sentence. You've talked about four worlds before. Yeah, yeah. This universe that is opening up where the sin never occurred before, uh, the Yom Kippur connects us to. That universe is not one of those four worlds. It's in addition to them. Yeah, it's, it's like it, it existed before before the four worlds were were created, right? It's before it's underneath all of that. Okay, thank you. Okay, because the four worlds, remember, the four worlds are so spiritual to us, but they're still a creation. God right? created that universe, though, right? That you're talking about. Well, yeah, sure. I mean, it's it's one with God. It's like before God expressed His creation, right? It's before that. Okay, wait, well, let, let's finish, yes. let's finish, and then let's say, okay, so, so what we said, that um, there's one day a year that's like any other day, right, not existing in time, but transcending it, it transcends time, it's like time doesn't matter to it, it doesn't, it, you did the sin, you didn't do the sin before, you know what I'm saying, it's transcending the time, but it's a day that's, it, it is rooted in reality, right, so it is a day that we celebrate, that we can physically be in, 
but it transcends time. Just like the Holy of Holies takes up space, but doesn't, right? It's there, but it doesn't take up space. Yom Kippur is in time, but it transcends time. It's not limited by time. Yom Kippur is not limited by time, okay? So when this day arrives, the entire structure of the world is transformed and renewed. So I feel like Yom Kippur is going to hold a, such a different meaning for me, at least. Like what happens on Yom Kippur is that the world is actually being transformed and renewed because Yom Kippur is transcends time. So it has the ability to totally transform what exists, right? Um, so on Yom Kippur, we can therefore access this reality that lies beyond the world in which we did what we did and create a new reality. Wow. Right? So like the fact that we did the sin, yeah, we did the sin, but the reason why we need to wait for this day of Yom Kippur is because this day transcends time, right? It, 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 it attaches us to this portal of this alternate universe where the sin never happened, right? And it is able to create the new reality that the sin didn't happen. And, and he's going to give us one more paragraph that's going to that's going to clarify things even more. But did you have a question, Sarah? No, you're good. Okay. Um, so, um, so in in one of the prayers that we say on Yom Kippur, there's a, a verse that says, "I have wiped away your transgressions like a thick cloud." Comes from Isaiah. It's a it's a quote that I'm wiping away your sins like a thick cloud, right? So when one cleans a stain, right? And if you ever try to clean a stain off of your clothes, it's a very fun process, right? You're scrubbing and you're rubbing and then there's residual marks and then it leaves a ring around it. And you like, you can, you can um, get rid of the stain, but it's a little bit worse for wear, right? Like it's very, it's not usually where you can be like, it looks like it never happened, right? Like you can get it pretty good, but it takes a lot of effort. and usually a trace of the original mark remains, right? That's, so that's one level of atonement. That is a level of atonement where you transgressed and you repented and God atoned you and you worked really hard and you scrubbed and you tried to, you know, do the best you can to make sure it doesn't exist, but there's a little bit of a remnant left, right? That's one level of atonement. Okay, the next level, the higher level of atonement is when it's like a thick cloud being wiped away. What does that mean? That a cloud that was overhead was blown away by a passing wind, right? And when a cloud disappears, when it leaves that place in the sky, it's like it was never there, right? It doesn't leave like a stain, right? It's like it was never there. Next time, look up in the sky. So I was like, I'm thinking about this. I'm, I don't know. <laughs> How do you know? <laughs> Look up in the sky. Next time there's rain clouds and they move away, you will see it's like it was never there, right? This like total absolution um, where it's, that's like the misdeed, the transgression was never, like it never happened at all right? Like a, like every, so you want it, it's like a thick, like one level of atonement, like a stain, right? The higher level of atonement is like a thick cloud that's being brought, washed away. Yom Kippur provides us with that opportunity, but it's not gonna, it's not, it doesn't happen on its own, right? Like 
you have to buy in and you have to have done the work all year, right? And then Yom Kippur comes and he's like, oh, you transgressed. You have started your repentance. You know that there's, there's this alternate universe where that sin never happened, right? So Yom Kippur opens up that portal because it transcends time. It's not limited by time and allows this reality of you not having sinned to become a reality. It, it creates a new reality in the world because it's above time, right? It can create this. So that, gosh, wow, 824. Okay, um, so that, <laughs> she said some laughs at me. <laughs> um, so that is Yom Kippur. Okay, we're gonna have some questions because I know like, we just talked about quantum physics and well, that was not expected. But what I, okay, leave all the technical, like, by the way, remember we said, we're gonna talk about this more later. The ultra is gonna come back to this. But if you leave all the technicalities out of it, right? If you leave all the like alternate universes and portals, right? If you just leave that out of it, what I want you to come away with is a few things. Number one, we have a lot of power, right? We always talk about that. That's a, that's a takeaway from every class. Number two, when there's, when we do all that we can and there's not anything left to do, we move on, right? Number three, Yom Kippur is a way cooler day than we thought, right? right. I mean, I'm going to have a totally different perspective on Yom Kippur. Like, this is a very cool day. This is like an alternate universe kind of day, right? Max is the thing we've always said. It's a day of awe. Yes. And we had no idea why. But right. we got to start spreading the news. Like, this is a real, a real day of awe because it transcends time. And it is the portal to creating this new reality for us of when our sin literally are wiped away like a cloud. And, but, but the work of Yom Kippur starts all through the year. It's going to be very hard to wait, to repent. All, like I was always like, okay, Yom Kippur is a day we repent. We're forgiven all. No, like you can't start your repentance on Yom Kippur and expect it to like all that to happen, right? You got to start your process beforehand. And so Hashem's keeping score, right? Like these are all the sins you've repented for before Yom Kippur. These are like, that's in the bank, right? And on Yom Kippur, I'm going to wipe them clean away because you've done the work. Does that make sense? Wipe them clean away. But what about the effect that it had on because, the world? Because it's a negative transgression that brought in negative energy. All we have to do is remove that energy like it never existed. Okay. The reason why the pot, it's like, so it's a good point because the reason why not observing a positive commandment is still more intense, even though the atonement is easier, is because you can never get back a missed opportunity. When we miss out on bring, be, bringing in positive energy, that time doesn't come back, right? But if you're bringing negative energy into the world, Hashem does have the ability to wipe it away like it was never there. Wow. So the fact that I've decided not to sleep tonight, do I say the Shema? 
course you say the Shema. Even if I don't sleep? Even if you don't sleep. But why are you not going to sleep? Because I'm going to be thinking of this. <laughs> <laughs> say the Shema and go to sleep. It'll all, when we sleep, it'll all work out in your head. Yeah, Robin. You were just saying that it's really important that we do tshuva throughout the year and not wait till Yom Kippur. And, and the other reason I think that makes so much sense to me is um, it, I have to do tshuva when I realize I've made the mistake. I'm never mm-hmm. going to remember come Yom Kippur what are all the things are that I'm asking forgiveness for. It's oh, for too sure. late. I don't know if you're... I have to do it for real sure. time. For sure. I don't know if your prayer, I don't know, my prayer looks a lot like Whatever I did, whatever sins I did, uh, you know what they are, God, forgive them, right? Like, it's not super intentional, right? Because it's a year full of stuff. Like, I can't remember every single thing that I did. So I do this, like, blanket, like, please forgive me for all my wrongdoings, right? Because I'm not keeping track or I'm not keeping score um, to the extent that I should be. And then I'm, like, hoping for this, like, miraculous atonement, Um and of course, there are times, of course, there are times when I um, regret something right after, right? But in general, like my approach to Yom Kippur was very like, I'm sure I sinned a lot, right? Like, I'm sure I did a lot of sins. I am really sorry for them. I hope I do better next year. But it's so much more than that, right? It's so much more, more than that. It's so much more powerful than that. And if we can remember that throughout the year, and every time we do a, do we transgress, which we will because we're human, Carrie. We're human. We're gonna we're gonna fail sometimes, right? You can't be perfect. Um, and I and I have this in my mind, like okay, like I regret. I take stock. I do my repentance, and then I know that it's going on in the in the freezer, right? It's put, getting put on hold. So Yom Kippur, and then I'm going to pull that back out again. And then this crazy time-lapse thing is going to happen because that's what Yom Kippur is. What about Vidui and Tachnun that we pray every morning? Isn't that part of repentance? Sure. Absolutely. It's exact, like exact, so God gave us opportunities to repent every single day. You're also, supposed, you're also supposed to think about your day at Shema at bedtime, right? Take stock of your day. What did I do today? What could I, what could I have done better? What did I do great? Right? Like we have built in opportunities for this all year. We just have to use them. Right? God is not saying like, you know, there's no infrastructure for this. There is, of course, in many different ways, in our prayers, in our Shema. Right? Like we have Mitzvahs. Mitzvahs. Yeah, totally. So um let's Let's do a quick, just like wind down because we always get a little riled up and I want you to go away with just something feeling tangible and just settled. So let's just take a minute or two to just do some sit, sit with our stuff that we just talked about. So when you're ready, just close your eyes. Take a deep breath. Practice that, you know, your deep inhale. So when we inhale, inhale is an activating, more activating, right? It activates the sympathetic nervous system, right? So you want to inhale, activate, and then you can physically actually like let your body down like a sigh when you exhale, okay? So 
When you inhale, think about expanding your chest, opening yourself up to all possibilities. And exhale, ground yourself, relax, let it out. Okay. While you let your breath return to its normal rhythm, um, I'm gonna leave you, leave you with some thoughts, okay? So each unit of time and space was created by God to be sanctified with divine consciousness and Torah observance. Think about that, right? Like each unit of time and space was created for us to sanctify, right? So when we do that, amazing. We're sanctifying ourselves, the world, the world's above us, right? But since time is irreversible, a failure to sanctify a particular moment cannot be rectified even through repentance. So this is the thing we've been repeating, right? You cannot rectify a missed opportunity. Atonement is a process of repairing, repairing spiritual damage. If you fail to observe a positive command, it leaves a huge spiritual void, but relatively little damage. Therefore, atonement occurs immediately with tshuva. Violating a prohibition brings about a more profound damage to your soul and to the spiritual world. Repentance alone is not sufficient to repair it, and only Yom Kippur brings full atonement. Okay, so repeating this multiple times. But what we added today in a big way was understanding the negative energies a little bit better and understanding why Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, is so unique and allows us to clear the slate like nothing negative has ever happened. So I want you just to think about those thoughts for a minute. It will mean different things to everybody. And just think about like, wow, when you think about all the things we discussed today, pick one thing to think about. How does it make you feel somatically, right? Do you feel it anywhere in your body, right? And no wrong or right. And what are you going to think about during the week that's going to affect a teensy tiny bit of change? Come back to your breath for a minute. Inhale. Exhale. Inhale. And exhale. When you're ready, you can gently open your eyes. Okay, I'm gonna stop the recording because we're already a little over time, but it doesn't mean we have to get off.